With what the times we live in call for, here's Pastor Ed Taylor. We're living in incredible times, times that no other generation has ever seen. And it's true, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's nearer than when we first believed, not only in the amount of time, but in the urgency. And the reason we need a wake-up call is because some of you are still asleep. You need to wake up. It's time to wake up. God is shaking you and waking you. I'm saying, look, look at the times in which you live. Times are short. The coming of the Lord is at hand. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Time is of the essence because the Lord is coming, but it's not hard to see many in the church are sleeping. It's time to wake up, and today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor will sound the alarm. Even in the early church, some began to slumber and needed a wake-up call. And here now to address this from Romans 13 is Pastor Ed. Well, Christians have a way and have a tendency of falling asleep spiritually. It's just the way it is. Christians can easily fall asleep. Somewhere along the way, they make a decision or two that they're not so zealous anymore about the things of God. They're not so passionate about the things of God. They just fall asleep. They take a nap here. They, they're asleep on the job, if you will. They're knocked down. They're beat up. There's a trial or whatever it might be. They, maybe it's even success. You know, things are going so well. And Christians have a tendency of falling asleep spiritually. They start out so good, so strong. I don't think I can think of one new believer that I've ever led to the Lord and seen get saved and talked to and prayed with that said, you know what, I'm in this for about six months. And then about six months, I'm going to give up a little bit. And after, you know, seven months, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to care as much anymore. And then that eighth month mark, I think I might, you know, it's not like that. A new believer is like, what then? Let's go for it. You tell me, show me. I want your word, Lord. I want, I want my prayer life is alive. But then as the time passes and a few things come our way, Christians, they take a nap here and they snooze there. And before you know it, you've got Christians falling asleep. Over time, it just seems to be, well, on the one hand, zeal and passion lack. And then on the other hand, the flip side of that coin is, then you start to entertain compromise. And you let things back into your life that you got rid of before. And now you're dabbling with evil things and things you really shouldn't be dealing with, which only help to rock you to sleep spiritually. And then all of a sudden, we look at you and we go, what happened? What's going on in your life? Just falling asleep and not discerning the times in which we live. Not understanding the times. Now some of you at this point, you're like, yeah, amen, Ed, amen. The church in America has fallen asleep. They've fallen asleep at the wheel. That's the big problem. It's the church in America. And then our fingers start going out, right? It's the church of America. It's the church of America. And then we realize that when we point our finger, we've got three coming right back at us, huh? Because it would be too easy. 
to take a message like we're going to have today, which will be stirring. It'd be too easy to translate and go, oh, the church in America. The church in America has lost its vision. It's lost. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who exactly is the church in America? It's us. We're the church in America. And this is a profoundly personal time. Oh, yes, certainly. In the church at large, spiritual leaders have fallen asleep at the wheel. And they've driven their churches into a spiritual ditch. Believers have followed sincerely. But friend, that's not the point for our time today. Because if we just fall upon the problems of the church at large, then we're really missing the point that God has for us since falling asleep spiritually has been a danger for Christians dating back to the first century. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane, don't you? Jesus gathers a small group together and says, pray and watch. And they sleep and snooze. That real illustration then becomes a picture for us as Jesus now is going to be calling us to pray and watch, to keep our eyes open. The point for us is not the church at large. The point for us is us. What is God speaking to us? The believers in Rome were dealing with the very same thing. Notice verse 11. And do this, knowing the time that now it's high time to wake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, verse 12. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in licentiousness and lewdness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And so why would we need a wake-up call? The society in which we live, the world in which we live, the generation that we have, we have more Bible teaching in our generation than just about all the other generations combined. We have more access to the scriptures in more languages. We have more technology. We have the, some of the best, most gifted spiritual teachers that the world has ever seen in our generation. So why would we? We're so knowledgeable. Why would we need a wake-up call right now? The answer is very simple. We need a wake-up call because some of us, some of you, may not see or understand the times in which you live. You just may not see it. You may not be able to discern the times, the world in which you live. You know, we're living in some incredible times of prophetic significance. You are seeing things in your generation that no other generation of Christians has ever seen and I think if we started to describe some of the things that we're seeing right now to a believer in the 6th century or the 10th century, they wouldn't even understand it. The world itself right now is being set up as it's been prophesied for the Antichrist to come on the scene and solve its ills and solve its woes. Can't you just see it? Can't you see the world leaders saying, we need someone to help us religiously? Look at all the religions and look what they're doing to one another and look at the fights and look at how they're against each other. We need someone to help. And the Antichrist comes in and says, here I am. I've got the answer. Let's just get all the religions together. Let's just create one big world religion. We're not going to emphasize any major points of anyone. And I'll tell you what, the Antichrist, I'm sure, is going to say, we're definitely not emphasizing that Jesus guy. 
No cross, no blood, just kind of a feel-good, happy, let's all come together and feel good about ourselves. A one-world religion is prophesied. And can't you just hear the world's leaders saying, help us, somebody step up and help us. Our economies are in the dumps. Please, would somebody help us? Give us the theory. Give us the help. It's not just one government. It's a worldwide economic crisis that requires a worldwide economic solution. And you know what the Bible says? The Antichrist is going to help out with that too. He's got the idea, hey, let's all just combine our currencies. Let's put it all together. Let's have one central location. Let's see the world just run from one central place. And the world is being prepared even now for that kind of person to come on the scene. Jesus, he's rejected when he comes on the scene. The Antichrist will be embraced. The Antichrist will be welcomed. The Antichrist will be literally created by the people that need such a person. He'll just be able to mold into whatever the people want, whenever the people want it. We're living in incredible times. Times that no other generation has ever seen. And it's true, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. It's nearer than when we first believed, not only in the amount of time, but in the urgency There is an urgency moving through the church of Jesus Christ today. And the reason we need a wake-up call is because some of you are still asleep. And you need to wake up. It's time to wake up. God is shaking you and waking you. I'm saying, look, look at the times in which you live. Times are short. The coming of the Lord is at hand. You can jot this down for you note-takers. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus said it this way in verse 28. He said, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. A wake-up call. He says, do this, knowing the time. It's high time to awake out of sleep. You know, we're surrounded by time. Time's very important. We're a time-saturated people. We have clocks everywhere, don't we? There's a clock in our car, a clock on our refrigerator, a clock on our microwave, on our stove. There's a clock on our cell phone, on our wrist. Everywhere around us, we see time. I've got a clock here on my pulpit. There's a clock on the back wall. It's supposed to keep me on time, but they're there, you know, they're right there. You know, you have time all over you, all around you. You know what that means? That means there's no reason for you to ever be late again. (laughs) I don't understand why you're still late. We're saturated with time. We want to know what time it is. I even have on my desks, my desk here, my desk at home, I have one of those atomic clocks, right? So just hook me up with the very second. This is exact time right now. This is what it is. I like knowing what time it is. There's even that clock next to your bed, isn't there? It's called your alarm clock. Remember that? Did you hear that this morning? There you are, sound asleep, dreaming in la-la land. There's the mountains and the lakes and the streams and the birds and the wonderful animals jumping and 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 oh oh what is that? It's your alarm clock. I mean, there you are sleeping and dreaming and and that stinking alarm clock goes off. Now, what do you do when the alarm clock goes off? What do you do? You just jump out of bed. What a great day. It's great. 4.30 in the morning. Yes. Today is a day that the Lord... No, you don't do that. (laughs) 
Maybe some of you do, but most of you don't. You know what you do? I know what you do. I know exactly what you do. Uh, 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 uh. Right? You hit the what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys hit the snooze. I know you do. Some of you are so slick with the snooze that you've got it all figured out. You know exactly how much time the snooze gets you. And so you set your alarm a little bit early to try to fake yourself out and hit a couple snooze, and I feel more, I got more. Listen, you're going to have to get up anyway. And I don't understand. I used to do it myself, but I'm doing the math in my head. I might as well just get up. Now, God has been sounding the alarm in your life for a long time, and you've been hitting the snooze button, trying to go back to sleep, trying to pretend it's not as difficult or times aren't going to be as hard as they really will be. A lot of times, a lot of people spiritually are hitting the snooze, even to the illustration where they think they've got it all figured out. And I can hit the snooze here and there, and I can get away with this, and I can... And it's time to wake up. God's giving you a wake-up call, and you're hitting the snooze, and it's time to get up. And I understand that a little bit. I mean, I understand the value of hitting the snooze. I'm not a real big, excited guy getting up in the morning. I'm not a morning person. You know that already. I'm really not awake until after second service. Then I start getting going, you know? It takes me some time to get things going, to get up in the morning. to get. Now, it's very difficult for me to get up in the morning. I'm more of a night person. I like staying up late and studying. I get most of, the, most of my work done, I get done at night. So to get up early in the morning is very difficult for me, especially if some stinking alarm clock is screaming in my ear. I never want to get up to that or somebody's shaking, Dad, 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 your church is over, man. You overslept. That would be horrible. <laughs> I'm like, oh, praise God it's never happened nine years. But don't I, be sure I've been afraid of it a couple of times. You get to bed so tired. So I understand not all of us want to be aroused out of a sound sleep. Not all of us are really excited about getting up. All of us want to hear the alarm clock. Not all of us want to get up and be ready for battle. But God wants us to get up and to wake up. He says right in verse 11, knowing the time. There's a couple words that the New Testament uses in the Greek for time. One is the word chronos, and it refers to a chronology. That word refers to time in its essence, in its length. That's not the word that's used here. The word that's used here in the Greek literally refers to a quality of time. So he says, you need to know what kind of time it is. Not just what time it is, but what kind of time. That's what a clock can't give you, but the Bible can to know what kind of times that you and I live. We live in prophetically important times, but what a privilege to be alive on the earth today in sharing the gospel with the lost and sharing the good news that Jesus Christ has come and will come again. It's time to wake up. I like how the NIV translates. The NIV says, understanding the present time. And then the New Living Translation translates it, that you know how late it is, time is running out. Wake up, church. I know some people laugh off the coming of the Lord. I know that when you start talking about, hey, Jesus is coming again, either outwardly or inwardly, there's, oh, you know how long I've heard that? Jesus is coming in. My grandmother told me that. My, his grandmother, her grandmother said it. And, you know, I've heard that forever. Where is Jesus? Do you know that's predicted in the Bible? 
that people would say that? Hold your places in Romans. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter warns us that in the last days, scoffers would come, mocking the very coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the devil understands the significance of his soon return, the soon return of Jesus Christ. That according to 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it says that if we have this hope awaiting the soon return of Jesus Christ, it says whoever has this hope even purifies himself, even as he is pure. He understands the purifying power of the hope of the believer, the blessed hope. And so he sends scoffers and mockers. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord's Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. You can circle that word scoffers, you can just write next to it mockers. Some of your translations might even say that. Laughers, people that make fun. Scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying... Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Where is he? You keep talking about it. He's not back. Doesn't see much change. Well, why do they do that? Verse 5. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water, But the heavens and the earth, which now exist, are kept in store by the same word, reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of ungodly men. What do they willfully forget? The word of God. The word of God that brought creation, the word of God that brought judgment, and the word of God that promises judgment to all those who reject Jesus Christ. You see, today, if you're here, you're listening on the radio or the internet, And you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says you're lost. There's nothing worse than being lost, except that you don't realize you're lost. You ever been there? Like you think you got the right directions. You even printed out the map, but the map was wrong, and you're lost. And there's a lot of maps in life that the world has tried to print out for you spiritually. There's a lot of voices out there saying, this is the way of salvation. This is the way to go. Try this out. Read this book. Hook up with this group. And the Bible says there's only one way to salvation. Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. I know it's hard to maybe come face to face with the reality that the roadmap of your life has been wrong. But listen... God, he wants to come in and rescue you. He desires to forgive you of your sins by your faith in Jesus Christ, to repent of your sins and to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know the time. So they forget the word of God. They willfully forget it. So why the delay then? Verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. God's timing is not our timing, basically. And then verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's heart. That's why there's delay. We view it as delay, but Jesus is on a perfect timetable. But in our view of the delay, the delay is for your salvation. Think about it this way. What if Jesus Christ would have come back 20 years ago? Would you have died in your sins and trespasses? I would have. 
just 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, five weeks ago. Where do you fall in the long-suffering of God, not willing that any would perish? He's very long-suffering, but the Bible's clear. Don't misinterpret his long-suffering for approval of sin. He's waiting. There's a perfect time of the soon return of Jesus Christ, and until then, we have the privilege of preaching the gospel. More people getting saved. God is patient and long-suffering, and people are getting saved in this time where he hasn't returned. But don't let that lull you to sleep that he hasn't returned. Spiritual slumber. It's a very real issue for many. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed, at the risk of stealing your thunder from our next lesson, would you give us a preview and tell us a little bit about how to wake up, spiritually speaking? Well, I have to say it um, unequivocally, Larry, a lot of the church today, and I say that with a capital C, has fallen asleep spiritually. Somewhere along the way, we've lost perspective, we lost zeal, we lost passion. The gospel has been co-opted by some cause, some goal, some attitude, some opinion, and that always leads to compromise. Uh, You know how you start out so strong, uh, but we end so weak. And, you know, like the Bible uses in our upcoming Bible study, we fall asleep. And Paul says in Romans that it's time to wake up. And let me just say this. I was looking up my notes for this particular Bible study and noticed that uh, this study, this series in Romans was taught in 2007, 2008. And it reminded me of the significance of the Bible telling us that whenever God's Word goes out, it always... Uh, returns to him, accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent. It never returns empty. And even though these Bible studies were delivered to our church family some 11, 12 years ago, the truths are just as powerful today. And I know many of you listening in uh, to Abounding Grace, wherever you are around the country, even around the world, you're not entirely sure until I say some illustration or something that was time-stamped in the Bible study to think, wait a minute, when was this Bible study delivered? But it speaks to us of the timeless truths. Uh, No matter when the study was taught, the Word of God is applicable. And even today, now 12 years later, the Church is unfortunately more asleep than it was even 12 years ago. And I, I pray that the Lord would wake us up, stir us up, that we would be like the sons of Issachar, and we would be able to recognize the signs of the times so that we could lead the people in the right directions, and the right wisdom. And so I encourage you, wake up. And I'm encouraging me that there are areas in my life I need to wake up and trust God. Be encouraged. And don't forget, send us your feedback, positive or not. I'd love to hear what the Lord's doing in your life. I have to say a a predominant uh, amount of feedback is very, very positive. But even if it's not positive, uh, you know, be be nice, but I'd love to hear it. Send me an email. Go through my website, edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. You can email me directly, and I'd love to hear your feedback. And maybe you go, Ed, I don't, we don't need to wake up. Well, give me some compelling evidence. The church as large is not asleep today, and uh, perhaps uh, we could talk about it. So thanks for your question. Thanks for tuning in. 
Uh, it's a blessing to be a small part of the big work that God's doing in your life. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Again, we'll hear more about this great need for a spiritual awakening next time. And friend, if you'd like to hear this study again, just turn to our website, AboundingGraceRadio.com. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present Abounding Grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. I don't have to remind you that we're living in a racially divided nation. You may have even heard it said Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America today. Pastor Miles shares openly what has led to this great divide, both within the church and across the country. He believes instead of choosing one of two sides, there is a third option, one that is proven to bring people together and promote genuine peace. That's the third option. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more. We ask that you call to place an order at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. We'll return to Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 